Blog Talk Radio. And I need some more time, man. So let me give the give the real intro some burn, and uh, let me get some things straight here. Hold on. Guys. Welcome to the Heavy Handed Edition. I'm your host, Heavy Handed Jay. I watched Kobe run, bro. Like this motherfucker would hit 13 threes, and this motherfucker Kobe is Steph Curry. This motherfucker is is uh, is Uga Duplo. I'm, t- I'm talking about with the ball head and the bob. Mm-hmm. That's a bad motherfucker, man. I work, You talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, gift stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. Back on the man, 100 grand, green neck in here, it's your man, heavy handed jet. Hey, yeah. do it again. Stay off the weed. And you can't stay off the weed. Told y'all. Told y'all. Y'all want some? Beat him down, beat you down. Who else wants some? Who else wants some of the ball? <laughs> you want my spot flash? Huh? Well, you ain't gonna get it. Because you ain't got it. Today we're gonna go over... Uh, how to solve the problem of you being heavy-handed. Uh, being heavy-handed is, is a big issue. Yeah, we back in this bitch, baby. We back in this bitch. Uh... It's the heavy-handed edition. I am your man. Back on the man. 100 grand. Green eggs and ham. It's your boy, heavy-handed Jay. Glad to be in the building, man. Uh, also, Bitch, I'm the man. Bitch, I'm the man. Bitch, I'm the man. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, been a while. Um, I have to get back in the swing of this thing. I never forgot how to operate things. But uh, we're back. I'm back. It's the heavy-handed edition. Um, we're still quarantining it's still corona. I don't even want to talk about that shit no more. You know, everybody I'm sure feels the same way I feel about this corona shit. We do. I don't like that shit. For sure, bro. I don't like that shit. But uh I think we've all said all we need to say about um the virus here about man, but uh glad to be in the building. Heavy hand, heavy-handed edition. Decided to put some content out there. Not a whole lot going on in sports, as everyone knows. Not any sports being had. Um, but right on time, I, I heard that they pushed up the date to get this thing off. But it seemed to be right on time. The Michael Jordan documentary is here for all us uh, sports fans to lather over and 
you know, just really take it in, man. And um, I think some new perspectives have been had with this with this Michael Jordan thing. One thing going on now in this new world where everyone's staying home and we're watching more YouTube and we're streaming more, all the generations are combined. You know, one thing that makes me cringe, and the one thing that's dope that's going down in the culture these days is that DJ, the producer battle on IG. The thing that makes me cringe about it is that you got a fucking 23-year-old giving baby face the thumbs down. And the 23-year-old parent, damn near too young for baby face. But one of the perks of the culture being opened up with all these generations able to kind of take things in is Michael Jordan. <clears throat> 35 myself. I know we got my man Will as all with Will about I'm 38. Will about my age. I know RC's younger. I think my man's son might be a, a slightly older. But for us, my age and younger, who are on this line, you know, we got to see kind of the tailwind of Jordan. Really, Kobe is more so the athlete of our lifetime if we're talking basketball. We, You know, Kobe came around about when we were 18. Uh, Jordan, you, you, you were a younger kid. Now, it depends where you grew up at. Maybe you could see more Bulls games if you started off really young. But in my estimation, I was really, really catching wind of the Bulls, say, around 95, 96, around those times. I knew they beat the Lakers, of course, in 1991. I was a, a Laker fan. But uh, Michael Jordan's greatness wasn't really getting the Cali that much. And you got to understand, Michael Jordan was a rival, was a threat to the greatness of Magic Johnson. So, of course, we weren't trying to hear that. We was trying to, you know, keep our guy who, who had been the stalwart of the NBA. We were trying to still say he was the best player. But everybody knew it was a young Michael Jordan coming. Uh, but right behind the last dance, a lot there, a lot there. Um, another thing we're going to talk about today, Draymond Green had an interview on All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, um, a dope interview. And I think the first time we've heard Draymond really speak out, at least in my estimation, we've heard KD, KD talks all the time. He's been on all the shows already. But we haven't heard Draymond's perspective on what really was the cause of KD leaving Golden State. And uh, everyone kind of pointed Draymond as the villain in the situation and the cause of the breakup of a dynasty, since we're talking dynasty, no point intended, no pun intended. But uh, one of the dynasties definitely in recent uh, history in the NBA the Golden State Warriors, uh, they're um, breaking up and uh, now kind of having to reassemble. So Draymond Green had, you know, I think in the in common knowledge to most of us, was kind of the cause or at the very least the straw that broke the camel's back, at the very least. But um, we'll, we'll get a little more context on that conversation. Get a little more context on that conversation, man. But uh, – it's always good, man. Glad to be up in here. We're going to talk a little sports. Uh, let me bring in my man, uh, the best host, the best host around. The, 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 the golden pipes, the golden pipes, I consider that guy. Let's do it. Lydia again, Lydia again, I got it, we Lydia again. Lydia again, Lydia again, I got it, we did it, we 
man from the Central Valley, uh, one of the best athletes on social media I, I've been able to see, can uh, touch the rim at five foot four, um, shoots three pointers, does a hundred push-ups with ease, is a lockdown cornerback <laughs> from what I can tell, and uh, and he's just a total beast. RC, what up with you, Claire? <laughs> hey, man, you know it's a good day. When you're coming on to Relatively Black and Fat Podcast with my guys, I know we haven't really got to touch on a whole lot in the sports world by now. I'm still on the run right now. I'm barely getting in. Whew, it's been a long day. Uh, you know, things been uh, things been on the up and up, so to speak, a little bit. We got some news coming out that the NBA um, in Florida will resume practice at the first of the month. Um, now, that's not the same as California things, but it's a step. And uh, we might be getting into a little bit closer into the norm outside of this whole quarantine day 33, 34. Well, might be longer for some others, you know? So, yeah. with all that said, man, barely catching my wind still right now. Uh, I thank you for the, the great introduction and all that. And, um, you know, you guys had a show, uh, the last two shows over here, I wasn't able to get to. So, I was definitely going to make it a point of emphasis, as you can tell barely getting into my home right now and having to join the show, man. I'm happy to be here, JP. I'm glad we could get it going, though, man. All right, man. Appreciate it, RC. Take your time going and um, get on there and settle in, man. Let me uh, let me move on to the to the family. Uh, El Capitan over there at the Outsiders Podcast Network, keeping that ship rolling, man. Um, one of the pioneers in the game. One of the homies, let's go to Willow. Is this really your real phone number? Get money. New money. Hey. Bitch, boy, feeling that all the maters want to check. Tight, go slick, just bought a Cadillac. King, HBCU God. Uh, you know, he wasn't also not bad for a quarterback. For Willa, you know, Willa was a quarterback from what I understand. And, um, you know, probably, uh, I, if I didn't know any better, it was probably something like a, um, like an old Lamar. So, Willa, were you not bad for a running back? Probably not, but <laughs> not bad for a running back. <laughs> Did you throw the ball, Willa? Willa's not there. Willa's not. Oh, my man down. RC, you with me? No, I'm still oh, with yeah, you. I'm, here. I'm with you, my oh, bad. Okay, okay, my yeah, bad. we was a. Yeah, let's see. We yeah, was see a, if you could throw me that nine route one time. Yeah, we was a 50% option team, 50% pass team uh, in high school days. And then in college, we were more like a little pro style. Uh, when I played the QB position, but yeah, man, I thought I thought I was all right, you know, a little uh, a little short, but you know, <laughs> I was all right for a QB. Not bad for a running back, huh? Uh, yeah, um, man, how family, brother? How's everything going for you out there? You working? Oh yeah, definitely, man. You know me, I'm out here working, dog. You know, since since the people can't get get out of Louisiana, I got to do a little more traveling than than I would like to do, man. So I'm out here in uh, Budfuck, Texas right now. But, uh, you know, I'm 
blessed that I'm still getting paid, still getting that paycheck. You know, family still healthy. You know, everything's good. You know, my week's off now that my my wife's at the house. We got a lot of home improvement projects going on, so you know that's not that's not great, but you know it is what it is. But yeah, man, we get the. Yeah, we get the we got the little word that you know Texas is gonna start opening up pretty soon. Uh, we're gonna start opening up on Friday, so we're gonna see how that goes. You know, I think we're like one of the first five states that's opening up, so we're gonna see if if we make it. If everybody uh, dies of coronavirus out here, man, so we're gonna see how it goes. Sports hopefully be on its way back not too not too soon after that, uh, not too later after that hopefully, and then. Uh, you know, even though there probably won't be any fans, we'll get to watch stuff on TV because I'm tired of watching, you know, Horace, Madden, NBA 2K, you know, tired of watching shit like that and old games, man. But 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 what I'm not tired of watching is this uh, last dance, man. So glad we get to talk about that. I'm glad we get to get on, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Any, um, I mean, and, and, you know, also, for the listeners here, everyone must know that this is the Outsiders Boxing Podcast team. You are listening to myself, R.C. and Wilma. Um, we do that thing most Sundays and most Wednesdays. Um, so be checking for that, man, for all boxing news, all of the latest boxing. And guys, like, I know we haven't been able to do a lot of shows lately, but uh, any quick boxing topics since we just here shooting the shit on a Monday evening. You know, um, you know, I don't. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any real recent boxing news. But if you guys got anything that you just want to throw out there, off the top of my head, I know something we could talk about that involved my guy and Willis guy. Talking about Jamal Charlo trying to get up there and do some damage over there with my boy David Benavidez. So hopefully, we can talk about that one a little more in depth on Wednesday. Yeah, I heard it. Said he's going to 168. You know, we got that. You know, Devin Haney talking yeah. about he ain't going to lose to any white boys. You know, it's a few things we, that, <laughs> that's been going on. A lot of backlash. You know, and we got to talk about that one for sure, too. <laughs> and a lot of backlash for that. And I just want to talk about the narrative into that. So, white media, they, they, they grab a hold of that and they say, yeah, look at you guys, you're racist too, right? That's kind of, look at him being racist. Oh, yeah. In the same breath, they also know that it's not a racist statement. And none of them have taken it as it's like some kind of slur. And, I've, you know, one of the guys, uh, one of my favorite pods I listen to is the boxing board with uh, Kenny Keith and Vince Cummings. Shout out to them. Um, two white guys, they're like, man, yeah, that's actually the truth. I mean, in, especially in boxing, it's been resoundingly and overwhelming that the black fighter kicks the white guy's ass. So it's not you know, to me, it's not a racial comment. It's maybe in today's time, as you know, soft, for lack of a better word, as shit is, maybe it's taboo today. But that narrative of, of, of the black dude not losing to a white boy in a fight comes from one of the white guy having privilege and the white guy, the black guy supposedly being tougher because he's led a tougher life. So I don't think that comment is, is, is a racial comment um, But Polly Malinaji Backed it up and I thought interestingly um, And said Maybe Devin Haney didn't get The memo but The new dominant fighter is the East European 
And I was like, oh, I don't quite know about that, Polly. I'm not quite sure that it's like we can definitively say when you kind of look around the, the landscape that the Eastern European fighter is a dominant fighter. So I don't like that. I don't like that shit for sure, bro. I don't like that shit. I mean, what y'all think of the Eastern European fighter, the dominant fighter now in the sport? Uh, the Eastern man. European, he has a lot. Willa, you want to start first? Yeah, go ahead, Willa. Yeah, I was going to say the Eastern European has a loss. Last Eastern European we saw got, uh, you know, been, a, I guess, um, what's his name? What's the guy's name that's uh, that's the super middleweight? Uh, which, uh, man, I can't think of his name, but he's all right, man. The Eastern Europeans, they're doing, they're doing their thing. Zudo? Uh, who? You t- you're talking about the, your boy Lefty or Zudo, who's moved up? <clears throat> no, no, the 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 the, the guy that beat Ghost Fit, Bitter Beef. Oh, Bitter Bitter Yeah, yeah, he's all right. Uh, you know, Lomachenko's all right, but you know, we got guys like Spence, we got guys like Crawford. You know, they're doing their thing, and of course, we got guys like Canelo. So, you know, I don't know about this. The most dominant guy is. Is the most dominant are Eastern Europeans. I think that. Would well, you consider Fury? Fury has to be thrown into that bunch, and he's the heavyweight champion, so. He's well, not an Eastern that. European. Well, I think. Yeah, but he's know. not. Yeah, I, I don't think that he said Eastern European, so he's talking about Russian slash Asian dudes. He's talking about Golovkin, Lomachenko, Better Beef. He's talking about those guys over there on the other side. He's not talking about. The UK. He ain't talking about UK, UK brother. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. He ain't yeah, talking about the big Yeah, he ain't talking about what those guys. So yeah, man, I you know, I don't know if they're if they're the if they're the most dominant because, you know, what their best guy has a loss to Salito, old ass Salito. So that's neither here nor there. <laughs> God damn, niggas will not yeah, let us Salito shit go. <laughs> That is, uh, will not let the Toledo fight go. Uh, RC, what you think about it? Man? Are, are the Eastern European um, the new dominant fighter, or is just Paul just talking out the side of his ass? Uh, I think it was just 2020 um, self-promotion gone wrong, uh, personally. Because, you know, everyone knows what's going on. You know, the, the white fighters in boxing are, you know, they're a dying breed. They're lucky to get one that has some longevity to them. And, uh, you know, that's why Floyd infamously, or however you want to take it, said that they started their own sport with UFC. Now, back then, Floyd could get away with it when he said that, but or even Hopkins when he was uh, saying that a white boy couldn't beat him. But, you know, just the sensitive time uh, that we are in today and these days, you can't really say stuff like that without having some serious ramifications. And you can tell he tried to pull back from his from his statements, but... That just makes it worse nowadays, too, because the Internet's going to cave in on you big. Like, you know, so um, I just thought it was a, a a good idea gone bad. Yeah, man, agreed. And um, young kid, and like I, I'm going to still, I'm still at this point, and I, I'm always allowing my space, myself space to change my mind 360 degrees about anything once informa- information is had. And I may do it with Devin Haney. I don't know. But at this moment, Devin Haney does what I hope all fighters do. And he calls motherfuckers out. 
he don't go out there and say, oh, it's up to my promoter and all that shit. No, he letting it be known what his intentions are and that I can appreciate. Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Let's go. Stop playing with my fucking name. Devin Haney does what every Devin Haney does what every boxer does when they're young and coming up. He calls people out. Every boxer that you say doesn't call people out now have at one point called them out until they got the titles. That's just the circle of life in boxing. So let's not give Devin Haney too much more credit. Cropper was calling everybody else out. Thurman was calling everybody out. Spence was calling everybody out. Canelo well, was calling hasn't everybody reached. out. Crawford hasn't. What what Platt Crawford has Crawford undisputed. reached? Let's not At get into this, man. Let's, yeah, exactly. Let's not, let's, not, let's not get into this. Crawford is a, is a three-division uh, champion. What the hell are we talking about? You Now, you will have well, an argument for both sides, you know? Well, I mean, now, Will have then split the hair and said, well, everybody calls people out on their way up. Now, I don't know if that's 100% certain or not. I mean, that's, you know, see, that's too much well, I just named the guys that we're that. talking about. I just named the top guys in the welterweight division that people say aren't calling people out now. We're talking about the guy. I'm talking about the guys that you're talking about. We know who you're talking about. You're talking about Crawford. Crawford called everybody out. He's still calling everybody out. Spence used to call everybody out. Yeah. Spence used to call everybody out. Thurman used to call everybody out. I used to call uh, uh, Mayweather used to call everybody out. But once they get the bell, they stop calling people out. It just is what it is. That's just the circle of life in boxing. So, like I said, let's not give Devin, uh, Devin Haney too much more credit because he's just doing what every other boxer has done. While that may be true, and I'm not 100% certain of that, I still appreciate because um, I don't know where, where you get to the plateau where you get to stop doing it. I guess maybe when you get a belt, Devin Haney has a belt. So maybe it's a level of money. I'm not sure where, I guess, by ruthless math here, you reach some point where you don't have to do it no more. But I appreciate those that do. Um, and Devin Haney's doing it, man. And maybe it, it, he's early and he still has to, you know, get, you know, bite at the, nip at the, the heels of the big dog, so to speak. And like Will was saying, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate it. So you got anything on that? Oh, yeah. Uh, like how Willis said, the young guys call somebody out until they get a belt. And the point where you know you got to stop calling people out is when we'll leave Amir Khan as that standard. So whenever you get to the level of a career of Amir Khan, that's when you got to stop calling people out. Because I think the other day he was just talking about he wants to get Manny Pacquiao on the ring. And, you know, we all know that Amir Khan been saying some stupid shit for a long time. So that level, when you get to that level of calling people out, that's when you know it's time to stop. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. But, man, um, you know, let's get to one of the topics here today. So, Draymond Green uh, of the Golden State Warriors, three-time champion, uh, went on All the Smoke podcast with my man Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. Now, I know we got some Steven Jackson haters in the house, and I'm not sure why. But, um, nonetheless, one of my favorite podcasts – that in the knuckleheads with Darius Miles and um, Quentin Richardson, those two new media outlets. Uh, I think they're both affiliated with the Bears. I'm not sure. I 
know that uh, Knuckleheads is, but that's a great new outlet for NBA voices. You know, and a lot has opened up in today's world, man. Um, you can smoke weed like on, you know, casually on podcasts and YouTube, and you know, we're not sub- subject to just being having Barbara Walters and Stephen A. and these dudes interview these type of high-profile basketball players anymore. Now we can have these dudes in their comfortable setting with old with with the peers who actually understand it. So um, I'm just really excited about these new formats and these new platforms that we have to really get a sense and uh, tap into some of the people that we were really interested in in the sports world. But um, Draymond, Draymond, he went on all the smoke. Um, of course, we all know that we've just this past summer, we've seen the, well, this past season, we've seen the new Golden State Warriors. We've just seen the demise of the most recent franchise to have a dynasty. And we're, we're all here relishing in the, the memory of the documentary, The Last Dance, and the dynasty that was in Chicago. But uh, the most recent dynasty, and we'll say three years or more as a dynasty, um, the Golden State Warriors really ran it up for a few years, about a five-year run there, where um, they took the NBA by storm. They took pop culture by storm, um, basketball-wise, and uh, kind of revolutionized the game in a lot of ways. So um, I think you can go back to a date before Steph Curry and company and the Golden State Warriors made their mark in the NBA, and we had a different NBA than we have today. And I, I think that's definitely a, um, a, a testament to the Golden State Warriors and those players. But Draymond Green being a big part of that, <clears throat> kind of being that Dennis Rodman, it's, it's a lot of irony in this conversation, right? Because Draymond Green is, it, it, by all means, the closest thing to we have a Dennis Rodman today. Um, you know, and somewhat of a uh, – evolutionized version of a Dennis Rodman who can hit a three-pointer here and there and things like that. But by, by, by a lot of degrees, he, he's that guy who plays that role for that team. So, uh, of course, we know Kevin Durant left Golden State, went to Brooklyn. And one of the things that most say was the calls, or at the very least, the straw that broke the camel's back was the sideline confrontation between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green, where you have a last play possession. Draymond does not give up the ball. He fumbles the ball. Kevin Durant kind of makes us think about Draymond not getting him the ball. And then what's seen is the biggest takeaway from their run in on the sideline was Draymond Green called Kevin Durant a bitch right in front of everybody. And, um, that shit wasn't cool, and I'm sure that doesn't play well anywhere you go. But um, that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think from that point, most said that that was the checkout point for Durant. That's when he hit the ejection button. Um, Draymond, for most part, and most common knowledge, Draymond took being the call. I, I, I really didn't hear a lot come from Draymond um, in response. Uh, Durant has been on a couple outlets and has, has spoken on um, some of the things that caused him to leave Golden State and has definitely said that the Draymond incident was uh, large in part to one of the reasons that made him leave. But 
Draymond, at least to my knowledge, the first time he coming out and having a conversation about it. So, got some audio here. Draymond's going to give his reasoning and um, kind of give his point of view on Kevin Durant's departure and uh, what was kind of the demise of the Golden State Warriors. Let's give this a listen. Uh-oh. I guess we're not going to have that. Damn, that's not good. Fuck. Well, not good, man, because I don't think I got that sound. It didn't load. But I guess we'll, we'll just have to, I'll just have to talk about some of the topics. Well, look, guys, Draymond came out and said KD was one foot in, one foot out. Draymond said he's been the pulse of the team. He, he, he's the kind of the guy that binds this crew to that crew from that guy to that guy. He, he's that guy. He's the blue guy. Draymond kind of just cut to the chase and said, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. Um, Draymond made emphasis on that he's great friends with owner Bob Meyer or GM Bob Meyer. And he said, Bob Meyer is brutally honest type of guy. And he says, I know Bob and we'll be friends. But if Kevin Durant wanted to stay in Golden State, Draymond says, even I know that Bob would have came to me and said, hey, Draymond, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin said it's you. What I can do for you is get you to the, 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 the best team I could get you to. What teams do you like? So at the end of it all, when it seemed like Draymond was the cause for Kevin leaving, when you put it in that perspective, that even Draymond admits to knowing that if Kevin Durant to be somewhere and it's either you or him, you go. So, well, uh, I'm going to start with you, family. Um, what do you think about that? Do, do, do we have kind of the, the wrong guy pointed out here? Because I think it was, it's fair to say that everyone kind of thought Draymond was the reason that Katie left. But like Draymond saying, if Kevin Durant wanted to be here, I would be gone. What do you think about that? Yeah, man. I man. I I agree with with uh Draymond even though I don't like him. Um I'm pretty sure if uh, K, uh KD wanted to stay, they would have kept him. I have to go with uh what my man uh Shannon uh Sharp says all the time, you know, KD wanted to be accepted. You know, he's a guy that wants to, to be accepted, and he was, even though he was the best player on that team, he was never going to be accepted as the top dog. That's Steph Curry's team, Clay Thompson, then it's KD. KD wanted to get out of there because he wasn't getting the love, you know, especially when the guy said, I think it was, was it the owner or somebody said something about uh, during the, at the, at the parade that they, you know, they did it without him or something to the, to the point pointed that same thing that uh, Draymond Green said, you know, I think that rubbed him the wrong way. I think he wanted to get out there because like I said, he, he wasn't, even though he's the best player, top two player in the league, he wasn't ever going to ever never be his team. You know, we got guys that were drafted out there that have been out there that they watch grow up, that they watch win those first, what is that? Two rings, um, our first one. And so, you know, I think he had to get out of there. If Draymond, if he wanted to stay, I'm not sure if they would have got rid of Draymond Green, 
Um, but I'm sure, 100% sure that if KD wanted to stay, his ass would have stayed there. But he didn't want to. KD is a weird dude. He wanted to get out of there. He wanted to go back out there to the East Coast. So he did what he wanted to do. He got him got him some chips, got him some MVPs, uh, some finals MVPs, and <clears throat> took his ass on. <clears throat> and, and, and it could have been just that simple, man. You're the best team. You're the best player, but you're not the most beloved. Um, that, for whatever reason, there be that was always and is always going to be Steph Curry. And if you want that type of, I guess, authority and, I guess, whatever comes with Curry being the most beloved there, um, uh, it just didn't look like Kevin was going to be able to get that. But Curry has certainly deferred his game, it seemed. It was enough room for everyone. RC, bro, I mean, what do you think? Have have we wrongly pointed Draymond to be the reason for for KD leaving here? Or was it just KD just having a uh, inferiority complex to some degree that he couldn't get the love that Steph and Clay were getting? Well, I, you know, you hate to be on the fence at some points, but I think this one has a little bit of that 50-50 split up. Uh, a lot of it can be blamed on Draymond and how certain things went throughout the course of the season that just eventually built up to to the point as much as where uh, the media was with Kevin Durant with the constant questioning about, you know, what's the plans for the offseason? Uh, does he plan on being here next year and all that? The speculation led up to the whole Draymond thing that eventually blew over the top. Uh, but I don't necessarily think KD wanted all the love as being the guy on the team. I think he knew that everybody knew there was Steph's team, but they kind of looked at him like the little Robin to him actually being Batman. I think he wanted more than that. He didn't want to just be considered the best guy in Golden State and on that team. Uh, but we, we all know he wanted to be considered better than LeBron. And when he didn't get that same love after the first championship that he thought was going to change his career, it bothered him. And, um, it definitely bothered him when he didn't get any credit for those two goddamn championships neither. Yeah, you did. He he won and had some big shots. Um, one in Cleveland, one in um, identical in Golden State. But still, it took a team that's going to have four Hall of Famers uh, that you know had to stop one man and J.R. Smith. So uh, I think it was more than him just wanting to be the guy in Golden State. He wanted to be the guy in, in you know in general in the league. So. Um, next closest thing to try to get to LeBron is you take his sidekick and try to up him one better. So, yeah, Kevin Durant, man. He's a weird guy. It never is just one way with KD. So, um, it's like I said, you hate to be on the fence, but, you know, I, I mean, someone called me a bitch. And we teammates, and, we, you know, that's on live television. It don't even got to be live or whatever, but we got to handle that. And they never did eventually, so um, – yeah, it, it's a 50 to be split for me, JP. And you know how much I hate to be on the fence. I don't like that shit. Yeah, man. Uh, that's always fighting words. Um, I, I hear the word bitch amongst men being tossed around slightly more loosely these days. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I was raised that it meant that I must kill the man. And I never thought that was quite fair. But I oblige to those rules. So, you know, I'm raised on it's if another man calls you a bitch, it's, you know, you, you got to fight. Yeah, it's go time. So, <laughs> it's definitely go time. Um, uh, another sound I would have had for us, um, uh, 
I didn't load. Draymond went on to talk about his relationship with Charles Barkley. Um, in in a in a lot of words, he called Charles Barkley a, a cool man, and it was kind of interesting uh, interesting take that I, I I never thought about in regards to Charles Barkley, but he just black bastards. You know, he was like Barkley <laughs> supposed to be a to supposed to be a big homie, and he hating on the he little homie. Black bastard. Yeah, man, and um, it was an interesting take by Draymond. But one thing I like about Draymond, one thing I like about Draymond, and uh, an interesting nuance to the Barkley versus Draymond saga, is that Draymond, and I think this comes for every man. Draymond basically letting it be known, I'll beat your ass. Draymond letting it be known, like, that old fat man better shut up talking to me. Because when I see him, he don't, he don't do shit. In Draymond's exact words, like, it ain't really beat. Because when I see him, he don't do shit. He don't swing or nothing. So, but one thing that's definitely coming off of that shit is Draymond telling Charles, I'll beat your ass if you, you know, like, and for Charles, Charles is used to being a bully. His reputation was a, 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 the bully on the court. But as, as every man turns into an old man, it's going to be a young man that lets you know your mortality. And I, I don't think Charles can really talk that tough talk to Draymond. But uh, what Draymond went on to say, man, and I think that was pretty relevant. Um, now, what I don't agree with what Draymond said is he said Charles is jealous of him. And Charles is jealous because he never made the money in the game that Charles, that, that Draymond has made. And it just was a different time. It was a different time back then. And um, Draymond says that Charles is jealous that he never made the money that Draymond has made. And he's also said that Charles didn't have the impact on the game that he has. Now, that's debatable. But he said, you know, Charles never won shit. Uh, yeah, he scored more points than me. But you can't dismiss my impact on the game. And he just says Charles is jealous. Now, I think that, that part is up for debate. But here's the part where I totally agree with Draymond. He's like, you know, man, Charles is part of us. Them dudes get up there on that on that production stage and all the, the, the pundits that are out there, and they, they say that they hold the ball players to a high accountability as far as what they say about them. Because they say the ball players, unlike a fan, unlike a, a regular journalist out there, they actually know what it is and what it takes. So when they get out there and, uh, you know, and – Barkley is saying Draymond sucks. And Draymond went on to, to add about how Shaq was coming at JaVale for all those years. And then, you, if you recall, JaVale came out at some point and said, you know, man, you know, it's, it's bullshit, man, because this guy is painting a narrative about who I am and the ball player that I am. And, um, and Shaq backed off. And I respected that. And I thought, JaVale, you know, as much fun as we had with the Shaq and the Fool and all the jokes about JaVale, JaVale was actually right. And um, Shaq backed off, 
and JaVale is not no longer considered a clown in the league. You know, and, and that was some of a narrative that Shaq had uh, definitely had some some hands in painting. But uh, Draymond said that Charles and those guys, they, they hold him highly accountable for the things they say. And uh, he's, he's an older black man, for one, and he's also uh, a guy who's considered a part of the fraternity. So for him to go out there and say the things that he says, uh, he takes it a little more personally. But um, one thing that was the definitely resounding from Draymond's comments was Draymond was telling Charles, I'll beat your ass, though, Charles. You know, and I don't think Charles has ever had to 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 for somebody to come at him like that. And uh, one day it's gonna come for Shaq. You know, Shaq can talk little shit to to these Embiid's and to Javale, but one day it's gonna be one of them young boys like man, that old nigga, but you got old fat sorry motherfucker. He was good, but you know whatever. And when I see him, he ain't gonna act like that in person though. You know, so um. That was an interesting nuance, man. Uh, let me get what you got on it, uh, RC. What, what do you think about JaVale? And um, is, is, is Charles jealous? And then does, does JaVale have a point? Um, it, I think JaVale does have a point because at a certain point or another, someone's got to show some sign of growth as far as maturity goes. And, you know, the little jokes that sometimes Shaq likes to prank Shaq and the Fool had a lot of fun with JaVel McGee over the years, and deservedly so. But, um, yeah, Charles need to watch it, man. You know, he used to uh, to push DeMarcus Cousins' buttons and piss him off the same way he's doing the same thing with Draymond Green, except it was a little different with Cousins and Draymond because Draymond was actually a big man with a lot of skill, unlike Draymond, just a little hustle guy, whatever. But, um, you know, Whenever you get guys like Draymond Green who, you know, win as many titles as they did on a team that, you know, has the most wins, you know, he gets that sort of arrogance. And, and uh, you know, for a guy who is highly overrated, in my opinion, when he was at the, you know, point of where he got this contract from Golden State, I was like, this guy's you know, he's just no more to me than a, a guy that comes off the bench hustling. He just happens to sort of do it, being able to pass and get in the lanes and, have some IQ to his game uh, on a great team. So he kind of creates these monsters with shit like that, and that's what Draymond Green kind of became, and he got exposed this year for what Charles called him, a single, single, single player or something, because uh, he was averaging less than 10 uh, um, points and rebounds. But, um, um, man, I think Draymond needs to, needs to chill out, though, uh, let that shit go. Charles Barkley's just like a drunk uncle you have over on uh, around during the holidays that nobody really wants over. And, uh, you know, he's going to say what he says. And, you know, LeBron went so much to diss him bringing up his, you know, debts in Vegas and shit like that. And you thought that was like, whoa, this is getting real serious. And then he ends up, like, brushing it off like it's nothing and just goes along being Chuck and everybody's kind of used to it. So, you know, just let Chuck be Chuck. I would let that – I would brush that shit off for all Draymond and Uh-oh. They got us? JP gone. That mute button monster, man. Oh, oh shit, my bad. That mute button, that mute button. Uh, Willa, 
do does does Draymond have a right to talk to Charles with his chest out, or should he still have to pay homage? Is Charles that much greater than Draymond? I think that's one question. And um, does Draymond have a point about you know these guys, um, the the narratives that they say become somewhat of a reality in the players that they are, and should they back off or not? Well, yeah. Uh, for the first part, is Charles Barkley that much greater than Draymond Green? Uh, absolutely. Um, Charles Barkley is a top 50 player, probably a, a top 25 player. Uh, Draymond, well, Draymond Green. Draymond said he never won shit. Yeah, but, you know, what is that? Just because you, you. Okay. I mean, what does that mean? I'm talking about this player. player. I, I mean, I'm he's a top, top five champion. I'm not top 10. 10. And he's a top two. When they had to, had to, off the, off the, Charles Barkley was in there, right? I don't think anybody's gonna put Draymond Green in there. He, yeah, of course he hasn't won anything, but I think Charles Barkley does have an MVP, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he does. You know, Draymond Green hasn't even sniffed any of that. So you know, yeah. Does he need to pay homage? Yeah, he does need to pay homage. But can he stick his chest out? Uh, yeah, he can. Like he said, he's won. He's been an a integral part of a championship dynasty. You know, like you said, he was the post of the team. He was the Dennis Rodman, which, he, you know, you said he's the Dennis Rodman. He's Dennis Rodman light. You know, he, he, ain't, he ain't Dennis Rodman, but he does similar things to Dennis Rodman. More like a – he's more like a, I don't know, like a Horace Grant or something like that. He ain't no Dennis Rodman. But he's he's other similar – he's other similar page on the team. So, I agree with him, man. He should be. I mean, I don't agree with him, but I think he should be able to talk his shit. Charles Barkley, that's what he gets paid for to talk noise. He's talk, you know. Charles Barkley can talk. Draymond Green can talk. You know, I'm a, I'm a lean towards what Charles Barkley says. You know, because I don't believe Draymond Green is that good of a player. You know, um, I don't. I think he's a well. I don't think he's that skilled of a player. He's a he's a good player. He's a great player when it comes to team ball. He's a smart guy on the on the court. He knows what's going on, um, but you know, we like Charles said, he's a triple single guy. He's eight 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 and eight out there. You know, not looking that good. So he can talk, but I'm going with Charles Barkley. And as far as um, Javel McGee, I believe that yeah, they were taking a they were taking a little too far with him. I always thought that he was a pretty good player. He does what he's supposed to do out there. And, you know, they were, you know, I feel him stepping the shack and tell, you know, not even really just stepping the shack, but keeping it real, letting him know that it's changing the, you know, the way he's looked at out there. And I, I appreciate Shaq being able to back off of him a whole bunch and not, you know, and also Javel McGee isn't doing as much stupid stuff either. You know, you know, he ain't doing as much stupid stuff now that he's, <laughs> you know, got him a chip. Right. <laughs> they got him a chip and then, He's out there with LeBron, uh, Go Jr. So, yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, I can see where everybody's coming from. I don't like Draymond Green at all, but I can see where he's coming from. You know, old guy wants to talk noise. You could talk noise back. And the best thing to do when – well, not the best thing, but the first thing people do when they're better than you at something, first thing you go to is the money. I got this much money. So, you know, we could tell that. Draymond Green knows that he hasn't made a bigger impact than Charles Barkley. No, everybody wanted the Barkley Nikes the, uh, with the air bubble, 
the CB4, uh, the CB4s, I think they were called. Um, nobody's checking for no Draymond Green shoes. I don't even know if he has any shoes. He wears LeBron shoes, so, you know. He hasn't impacted the game like Charles Barkley does, but he got he got paid, so I can't hate him. So yeah, I'm with everybody on this. Everybody should be able to talk to the noise. That's what Charles gets paid for. Draymond Green should be able to back itself, you know, be able to back itself up. All right, man. Let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Smoke God. Free smoke, free smoke, free smoke, free smoke, free smoke, free smoke. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. What time at the gas station? Nah, I'm riding right now. What's up? What's going on? I heard what y'all talking about. Talking about uh, Draymond Green and Charles Barkley. Uh, yeah, man. Your boy Draymond, fam. Uh, man. I mean, I, I pretty much I heard I heard Willa. No, um, I pretty much agree with Willa, man. I mean, he's a grown man. Somebody attacks you in any type of way, verbal, physical, whatever. It shouldn't matter what the status or whatever, you know, you want to call it. You should be able to fire back. Now, we also are able to critique what you say when you fire back. And when he fired back, a lot of the stuff he said, he just sounded delusional, you know, saying Charles was jealous and that when Charles has been doing this for like 20 years now on TNT, you know, he's been, uh, you know, going, going in on dudes for, you know, didn't matter what team, what, you know, anything, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't, I just think, I just think as it comes down to, it's like he was watching Draymond win championships and talk shit. And there was always that crutch, like, of, well, he's winning, he's on a good team, so it is what it is, right? But then he's, he's sitting back thinking, like, I know, I know this dude is weak. I know this dude is weak, you know? But it's like he couldn't prove it, you know? And so once these guys got hurt, he was able to prove it because Draymond didn't step up. So I think that's what it is, you know, because it's like we all know, like, you know, the rings era, rings with a Z, started around, in my opinion, around mid-2000s where, like, when I was growing up, like, the first, like, when I first started, like, the first started watching basketball and all this, when we would talk about who was better, we just, like, talked about who was better. We didn't say championships. That's the way I grew up, you know? Then all of a sudden, the, the waters got muddy with this rings era. So then when that happened, it gave the opportunity for role players, scrubs, sorry, you know what, to start talking. Because before that, they didn't talk. They didn't talk like that, especially in the media. You know, every once in a while you might see a role player get into it with a star on the court, but that it gets heated, you know. But as far as, like, in the meat, basically, like, saying, like, to a great player, like, that don't have a championship, that, hey, uh, I have a championship, but even though everybody knows I'm not a better player than you, but I got a championship, so you ain't nothing, even though 
you're a Hall of Famer. That era started about 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, whatever. And so, uh, you know, a guy like Draymond falls into that category. But like I said, he was winning championships. He was on a great team, and he was a starter. So if Barkley went all the way in on him, like, I know you ain't that good. I know you would never be anything if you were a number one guy. People would be like, oh, you just hating because you never won a championship, you know? And, and that. But then when Draymond actually gets put in that spot to where he has to be the number one guy, at that point, the, clip, the clip's been loaded. Now it's time to fire. And that's what Barkley's doing. Because Barkley's like, you are in the position I was in. Whether you want to say I was winning or losing, I was an all-star, I was an MVP, and I was putting up 25 and 10 every night. Well, you have a triple single. You know? That's what it was called. A triple single. (laughs) You know? So that's what it really is. Barkley's like, you got thrust into the position that I was in majority of my career, which was the number one guy, and you say I don't have a championship or whatever, but I was the number one guy majority of my career, and I and I just came up short. When you got put out as the number one guy, you're averaging a triple single. At least I was balling individually, you know. At least I met, at least I was good enough. Does a guy like Robert Horry ever get to put his chest out? Uh, does, does I mean, they, like, like I said, like I said, they, as far as him defending himself, I don't have no problem with that. He can do whatever he wants, you know? But we also can critique it, too. We can also sit back and be like, yo, Draymond, you sound a little delusional with what you're saying. But as far as defending yourself as a man, I'll never say another man can't defend himself. Like, that, that sounds crazy. But it's, it's, it's just the way he came about it, saying jealousy and all this stuff, and it's like... I don't even think it's about that, dude. It's like, because if you notice, Barkley never said in his whole time at TNT, he never said he wanted to punch a current player. But he said that about Draymond. Because he saw what Draymond was, was a guy that was an antagonist, a guy that was running his mouth and all that, all the time to everybody, to the refs, to the just everybody, and getting away with stuff. So he's looking at this cat, and he's probably like, he's like, he's playing my position, you know, too. So he's like, man, number one, I would have dogged him on the court, and I probably would have punched him, you know? So, so, let us get your your take (laughs) on on the first part of, uh, I think you missed this part before you joined us. Uh, Draymond said in all the the Smoke podcast, uh, he talked about Brett, and he basically said, Kevin Durant wanted to be a Golden State, and the crossroads in that decision was whether I'm here or not, I would be gone. What do you think about that? Are we wrong to be accused Draymond of kind of being the reason that Kevin Durant cannot be Golden State? So Draymond said, because I've seen that it, 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 it was, I saw that it was, you know, uh, put up and everything, but I didn't check it out really except for like that parts where he was talking about Barkley. Cause it, it seemed like it was like two hours, you know? It was really it was like a big long hour. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So, 
so he he said that basically if Durant wanted to stay, I would have had to I would have had to leave. Exactly, he said if for Kevin Durant, if the decision was based upon if Kevin Durant went to the Magic and said I'll stay, but Draymond has to go. Draymond said he would to be gone on the first thing smoking, and he knows that. Oh yeah, of course, so, that goes without saying. Yeah, of course. So of course. Why, why because you got to remember, remember they suspended Draymond. Remember, right. they suspended Draymond when it happened because they had to let it be known. That yeah. was total bullshit. He said, when do you ever see a player get suspended for having an argument with another player? You don't ever see that shit. Because, you know what, what it was? It was very simple. It's 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 like the, the you know, in our chat, whatever we talk, you know, going back and forth, it's kind of like there's a pecking order. And it's like that, that, that shit I showed you guys about what Sherman did to Russell Wilson, it's like the quarterback is, like, considered, like, what a Duran is, which is the franchise player, you know? So anything below, there's a level of respect you cannot cross or disrespect you can't cross. So when Sherman did that to Russell, it was like, at that point, it was like his days were numbered, you know? Because number one, you did that, and number two, you're a type of guy that's never going to stop, you know? And, <laughs> and with Draymond, it's like, uh, you know, um, like, bro, you're, you're triple single. This is one of the greatest players of all time. And you called him a bitch? Oh, oh no, you got to go, homie. We're, st- we're trying to still win championships. If that means, if it means letting you go to keep this guy here, we're going to do that. It's no different than LeBron or any, any other great, you know, great player, like truly great player. You know, he said people are jealous. Look, here's the thing. I'll put it to you like this. If Draymond and Barkley played together when Barkley wasn't his prime, they would he would have had to leave for Barkley also. That's how good Barkley was. People yeah. look at him now because he's a, you know, he jokes and he's overweight and he's like, you know, half the time it seemed like he's drinking all that. One day, go pull up his stats he was putting up. You know? know. Year know. after year after year. Big truth. Yeah. Big fat. Big fat. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like. The way Draymond like treated uh, Kevin Durant is the way. Yeah, the, way Ke- Durant, the way Draymond kept, uh, treated Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant decided to take it to that point, so many other players, it would be the same thing. And it's understandable, man, because you don't want to rock the boat to the point where the guy is looking at it like, hold up. Y'all ain't respecting me to this level. You know what? I don't need to be here. I'm going to leave. You don't want to get him out of here? I'll just leave. Get me out of here. Trade me. You know? Yeah. So, said, don't be calling me when you need me to be Le- when you need to be LeBron, too. Yeah. And then yeah. and then it's like Draymond is like for Draymond to say that acting like that's a regular argument. If you watch the video, this is how you know the argument was serious. When DeMarcus Cousins has to break it, break up a fight, you know something's up. You know? That's, the dude you, that's usually the dude in the incident. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he had to be the peacemaker. And you can see him grabbing Draymond and walking away, and Draymond's like, he's a bitch. He's a bitch. And uh, Cousins like, calm down. Yeah. He's like, but he's a bitch, though. He's a bitch, though. Like, yeah. that's how, like, heated it was. And so, like, 
Draymond, it wasn't no regular situation. You were calling the best player on your team a bitch multiple times. Like, that's, yeah, you crossed the line, man. Yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's where we crossed the line, man. Let's get into some of this um, this last dance, what we're all here for. Uh, taking the country by storm, especially for us sports, sports fanatics. Um, there's nothing else to do. And this thing seems like it's right on time. Almost... Uh, Seems like it was planned this way. Uh, we had episodes three and four just uh, end. A lot about Dennis Rodman. But just a, a unveiling of the guy that Michael Jordan was. Like I said, myself, 38 years old, I remember Michael Jordan from about 95 on. I knew of him. I knew the greatness, but where I was really tapped in, about 94, 95. That's where I tapped in at. I wasn't there. You know, I was over here busy with the Lakers as a young, young man in 87 and 88 and 89 and 90. You know, I'm not seeing all the downfalls to the Pistons over there, what's happening in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm not seeing all those early years. You know, and I'm not old enough to really be tapped into the culture and what the shoes are doing and what the players doing. <clears throat> so, I think this has just been an unveiling of, uh, of the man, the myth, and the legend, Michael Jordan. And they said Mike was worried that people will hate him after this is all said and done. I think Mike was totally wrong about that. Michael Jordan is far more warm and uh, lovable and uh, and charismatic and funny and not nearly as serious as you thought he was. Um, he's a he's just far more um, easier than we had thought. I think Michael Jordan had been made to be more of a hard ass than he actually is or is coming off as. What Michael Jordan comes off as to me is a fucking country boy who came from a damn good family. <clears throat> A good mom, a good dad, just a country boy, and they kept him out of all the bullshit. And all he wanted to do was just good shit. And uh, eventually got turned out by fame and all of that shit. But initially, that's all he came to do. And here's the thing before I pass it to the fellas that resonated most with me. Like I just said, Mike was far more warm, more charismatic than I had thought to be. As I said before we got into the conversation, the player of my generation, uh, especially in the NBA, for the most part, has been Kobe Bryant. Now, watching all of Michael's mannerisms, and one thing that just jumps off the screen is the, is the level of professionalism. I mean, it's like that guy was going to the office every day, sharp. <clears throat> and Mike looked like a goddamn model. Just brown eyes, fucking just perfect, dark-ass, perfect skin. Like, the man looked uh, amazing, like, in just them suits and shit. Just looked like, you know, he's going to, like, a power broker or something. But um, just always on point, uh, all his answers seem to be concise. 
uh, not too much, not too little in, in response. Um, straight to the point, cut and dry, and, and just perfect delivery, perfect cadence. And when I when I think of Kobe, rest in peace, very similar. There are guys a little OG to me who said, man, that, that boy didn't call, copied everything Mike did. And now I have the reference, being able to really see these behind the curtain um, interviews with Michael. And boy, did Kobe have the cadence and have the, the way of walking and have the way of talking. It's like he talked like him. Kobe being the, the, the copy didn't have the originals charisma, the originals. You know, Mike, Kobe seemed far more cutthroat and crass than Mike. Mike had love for his teammates. That, that, that's what resonated to me. He understood Rodman. He loved them. He said, you know what, this guy, he don't do it like me, but he gets to the same point. I don't know if Kobe ever had that reasoning. I don't know if Kobe ever had that, that type of broadband, so to speak, that, that area of understanding what, what Michael seemed to have. Michael seemed to be far more tapped into to people also. Kobe seemed to be on far more of an island. And, um, you know, but, but Mike, just a consummate professional in every aspect of how he approached everything. And even as, um, you know, as after the game interviews and all that stuff, he made the press wait till he went and got showered, got, got dressed to a tee, and um, just, just really raised the level of being a professional as what an NBA player is considered. Um, Willa, man, your thoughts, man. Just, just throw, throw it out there. How you, how you been feeling about the documentary, and how do you feel about? I know you're around my age. I don't know how tapped in you were in, into Mike, but how do you feel about this, this kind of unveiling of Michael Jordan? Well, you know, um, growing up. You know, we had WGN. I don't know. I thought everybody had WGN. I don't know if y'all had it. So, you know, all the Chicago games were on, were on the television. We had the Chicago Cubs. We had uh, the Bulls. And I had an older cousin. So I was, you know, I was able to catch a lot of the Michael Jordan games. But like you said, when we were growing up, we were we were mostly playing outside. You know, we were doing a lot of playing. So that's why when it comes to football, I didn't really get dialed in too hard to football until – you know, until I was junior high, high school type of level, 96, uh, 96 type of time. But basketball, since the games came on at night, you know, I was able to catch it. So I saw a lot of Rockets games, saw a lot of uh, Michael Jordan games. Keem Olajuwon's always been my favorite player. But, uh, you know, I couldn't deny what Michael Jordan was doing, man. But this show is showing um, I, I enjoy it. You know, I've been checking it out, uh, recording it watching it on the DVR because, you know, uh, me and my wife, we like to watch a 90-day 90 90 day fiancé on Sunday night. So we I check that out first with the wife, do our little thing, then I check out the uh, the Michael Jordan thing afterwards. But, um, you know, it's been a great show, man. Uh, I enjoy it. One thing I can say, this is supposed to be about the, about the last dance. They're showing a lot of old stuff. I want to see, but I guess there's, what is there, six more episodes? So I guess they got a lot of time. But they're doing a lot of jumping back. I don't know if I like all that, the jumping forward, jumping back. But it's very interesting. Um, Michael Jordan, this is – I think he said that people are going to hate him. I think you come out 
especially right now, liking liking Michael Jordan a little bit, a little bit more than than I used to. I think he's he's more down to earth, but you know he is an old man. It's like it, it's like your old man. You know, growing up, you used to hate him. You know, y'all were bumping heads. You didn't really fuck with him. That you know, but you fuck with your old man. But you know, you used to hate him. But then as he gets older, all of a sudden he's the he's the best grandpa of all times. You know, he's a little more lighthearted. He's doing all that. So I think we're getting we're getting old Jordan. You know, we get to see a little bit of how he was uh, coming up, cutthroat. You know, he said did a lot of screaming, a lot of cursing, pushing people to be their best. But he, you know, doing it for you know for the right reason, wanting to be the best man. So I enjoy it. You know, the only thing I don't enjoy is him doing all that snitching. You know, he's snitching on uh, <laughs> the team, talking about the headlines here and there in the first two episodes, talking about everybody, you know, they were the cocaine circus, lions, marijuana smokers, the women over here putting people on the bus. And then the last last two episodes, he talking about how Scott, I think his name was Scott Burrell or something like that, was an alcoholic and he didn't have, he had more than one woman out there and all that good stuff, man. So, you know, I like, I don't like all that snitching that Michael Jordan's doing, man, but, they're showing how good he was. They also showed him getting beat by 20 points in a game seven. You know, that's, you know, that's something I'm, I'm not sure if LeBron's ever done, but they you know, and they also showed that he couldn't get it done without Pippen. Um, but yeah, besides that, I'm loving the show, man. I think it's great. We don't have a lot to watch on TV, but this is, this is must see. And it's bringing me back to the old days. You know, when I used to check out WGN and watch the, and watch the Bulls play all the time, man. Used to watch the Bulls play all the time. Used to watch the Cubs. Uh, you know, when when I used to have to go to my grandmother's house and we couldn't go outside or I was in trouble or something like that. Used to be on WGN watching the Cubs. So yeah, I, I came up on MJ. You know, Kobe's still my guy. Like you said, Kobe's still the guy that I watched that I got to watch grow up in the game. Team Elijah still my favorite player of all time, but Michael Jordan's in there, man, and, I, and I'm. And I, I'm 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 enjoying this show. Just hopefully they'll be showing more about the last dance, and not you know this is it's been more about the Pistons, really this whole time, which I enjoy too. I didn't know that the Lakers walked off the court the year before, or not the year before, but the year that they uh, maybe that was the year before the year, the year that no, it wouldn't have been the year before, but the year that they beat that uh, Detroit beat the Celtics, that the Celtics did the same thing that the Detroit did to, did to oh, the yeah. Bulls, but they didn't get the back the backlash. I didn't, you know, that's stuff that I didn't know. I wasn't watching the game back then like that. So that's, it was good. You get to learn good stuff. Got to learn about Dennis Rodman taking that trip out to Vegas. Um, I think I might have heard about the story, but that was a good refresher of what was going on. Yeah. Michael Jordan snitching, snitching on him. Well, he he said he ain't gonna say it was a dry snitch. I ain't gonna say who was in the bed with with who, but we see that he was with <laughs> Carmen Electra, which was at that time, which was one of the dimes of the century at that point oh, in the yeah. game, man. So, shout out to Dennis Rodman. That was a good episode. That was probably my favorite episode so far, and uh, can't wait to see because it looks like they're about to throw Horace Grant. Looks like he was snitching on Horace Grant on the next episode. So there's a lot of snitching going on when it comes to to MJ, man. But besides that, we get to see old man MJ, and he's uh, seems like he's a real nice guy at this point in time. Yeah, man. One thing I'm really enjoying 
It's also getting to know Scotty Pippen. That big Indian chief looking motherfucker with that big ass nose. And then, you know, the family, his brother over there with a mouth just like him. You know, and they, and they they look like they come from really, really humble beginnings. And um, they said Scotty Pippen grew like six inches in a fucking summer or a year or something. And I just thought to myself, like, shit, that sounds like the cat was finally probably getting some nutrition in college because they seemed to be pretty damn poor. And then, like you said, they had his daddy just had a stroke all of a sudden and was in a wheelchair, and his brother was in a wheelchair after some wrestling accident at PE class. So, um, you know, Scotty and Scotty's the, the big storyline for Scotty in the documentary is Scotty's contract. Scotty's contract, and Scotty says, you know, at that point in time, and for the people that he had in his corner, he felt he needed to secure the bag. I don't know, Scotty's thinking was, you know, let me take this eight-year, you know, I don't know if that's the number. Let me take this eight-year deal for this amount of money, and we'll just do it like that. And even Jerry Reinsdorf, and we'll talk Jerry Krause, and we'll talk all those things. But even Jerry Reinsdorf told Scotty, that don't, are you sure, bud? And um, because I don't I don't renegotiate contracts, so when you come in, you ready, you be, be, be certain this is what you want. And, um, of course, that didn't play out, and you know, Scotty, probably not even midway through his contract, had exceeded his value. Uh, RC, just your thoughts, just on the um, on the last dance, and uh, you know, this unveiling. I know for a cat your age, this is um, hmm. this is getting the meat, Michael Jordan, to some degree. You're you're yeah. a Kobe kid. You're a Kobe LeBron yeah. guy. You're like you're like something. Oh, you're in your thirties or something. So. How how is he getting to meet Michael Jordan? Is he the the bad guy? He was always cracked up with you. You guys drooling over Michael Jordan is making me as sleepy as the Cubs playing on that that WBN network, whatever Willow was watching. I was talking about watching the Cubs on. Look, man, all of this stuff is nothing new to me. It's just regurgitated video footage put together in a different form. When you look at the older documentaries, like his airiness about Jordan, um, where they went into detail, much like this, if not quicker to the point in a two-hour format um, with his whole career, especially in the Olympics and all that other shit, him and Charles Barkley, Pippen, da 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 all that. It's it's funny to me, man, because, look, yeah, Willa, he's got guys like Willa fooled. He's saying that, you know, Jordan's a good old, you know, he's an old man and just, you know, having some drinks right next to him while he does a documentary. Um, to me, it's still a character on camera at this point. Uh, you know, I – I, I just heard too many goddamn Michael Jordan stories to be thinking that this guy that we see on camera today is just the all right lights camera action guys everybody you know you know make it home safe da-da-da. get the fuck out of my way on Michael Jordan that's what I think he's about so um, you know I, I ain't fooled by it I can't forget the the, the chameleonaire stories about you know something so simple as a, a, a autograph or a picture or something like that or how about the time that Mike Tyson confronted him about having sex with his wife in front of him at a table. Uh, with Don King and I think Tiger Woods. I can't remember who the four gentlemen was, but it was somewhere in that statue. I know the real Michael Jordan. I ain't fooled by this bullshit that they're putting out on ESPN. All of a sudden, they're putting it out. What was supposed to go on around the finals time, and it only got brought about. When did he give it the go? When LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers were celebrating and doing their whole um, city tour and all that parade. 
that's when they got to go. Michael Jordan knows what's going on, man, and he's trying to get some millennial captivation from people who did not see his career. For me, when I first started watching basketball, I remember seeing Mike playing in the playoffs against Reggie Miller and the Pacers. Not too far back. However, Arsene does his homework and knows his history, and I've seen a lot of these scrubs that Michael beat on his way to the top. Talk about beating the Lakers when when Magic was, wasn't wasn't really Magic and they were just a, a bunch of old men missing players. <laughs> I'm telling you, telling you, man, Michael Jordan beat a lot of scrubs, and and his only real competition was old ass John Stockton and Karl Malone. Like that was, you know, I mean, it, it's funny to me if you want to compare like the competition level show, from a female. I don't like that shit. From a female perspective, as far as eye candy goes, if we compare Michael Jordan's competition to a, a woman's perspective, one to ten, she'd be about six point five, seven, something like that. But when you look at the Le- competition LeBron James went against, we're talking about a dime, ten, 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 a fucking dime, perfect fifty, what they call it in the dunk competition. But I digress. Let me calm down for a little bit and relax. It's been a while since we got to talk some sports. But, however, don't get it twisted. LeBron, I mean, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, he's a damn great player. Damn great player, you know. And uh, this documentary for me, yeah, you know, I've seen it, and it's cool. I don't know. <laughs> I don't condone the snitching neither. What the fuck does guys being alcoholics and having different women got to do with anything involving the success of Michael Jordan? Does it have to like say that he was in such a bad situation where it was so hard to get this team to a championship level when we got dudes that are over here doing coke with hookers smoking weed? But not me. Not good old Mike. Nope. Mike Jordan would go back to the hotel and start cleaning up because he didn't get down with stuff like that. But whatever makes the uh, the public opinion of one Michael Jordan better could, uh, kudos to his acting. I tip my cap and wouldn't bother to give a cheers, but I give a jeer. And for Michael Jordan, you don't fool me with this act you got going on, brother. Oh, well, look, man. This, the level of this. Look, I'm not even crazy Jordan man, but we understand this is a god, so you cannot. Say, no! I, oh, shit! Say it again! Say something now! Oh! Say something else. Say something else, nigga. I refuse to let you call him Mike Jordan. <laughs> don't don't ever do that again. Uh, you know, don't ever call him Mike Jordan. <laughs> and um, I don't. I didn't think that Mike would deserve a bird call, but the blasphemy coming. Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Let's go. Stop playing with my fucking name. Fucking crazy. Wow. Sorry, Simon OG man. Uh, tell us about Mike, bro. Shed some light on it, bro. Is, is, are we getting to know the real Michael Jordan? Is he more of a teddy bear than we've been led to believe, or is it like RC is saying, he's just some cutthroat dude with yak in his eyes and um, always puffing on cigars and shit? Uh, man, I mean. I mean, most of this stuff, man, that's been I've I've, I've seen is uh, stuff I pretty much already knew, you know, little tidbits, you know, I didn't know, uh, like I didn't know that him and Danny Ainge went golfing the night before uh, he dropped 
63 on the Celtics. You know, little stuff like that. You know, I knew he dropped 63 on the Celtics. I know he got swept by them. You know, I knew, you know, I know, I, but I don't know little stuff like that. I pretty much know majority of the stuff about Michael. Uh, you know, um, as far as, uh, you know, him as a um, teammate and all that, like, yeah, there was times where he got into it with, you know, our teammates like Cartwright and Kerr, Punch Kerr. Um, I remember <laughs> he got into it with Cartwright, and Cartwright basically was like, he basically let him know, like, you know, you do that again, man. I'm gonna break your legs. You'll never play basketball again. That was written in a book. Cartwright literally Talk told about Bill Cartwright, big motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, he let him know. So I know about all that, but um, uh, you know, and then the but as far as like the, I heard you talking about like the comparison to Kobe, you know, and the one thing, JP, that a lot of people don't understand is that. Uh, Kobe was, you know, we all, you know, we all know, like he he patterned like everything behind Jordan. You know, the one thing he wasn't that Jordan was, Jordan was just one of the guys. Once the game was over, he'll go to the casino with you, he'll golf with you, he'll you know play cards with you and all that. While Kobe was just an introvert. You know, that was the difference. Like Charles Oakley got traded to uh, the Knicks and is still, like, best friends with Jordan till this day. You know what I mean? Jordan got a lot of friends in the league or had a lot of friends in the league at the time that are still friends to, with him to this day. That's why when you guys brought up that whole thing, yeah, you know, was, was Jordan kind of talking a little bit too much on that video? Yeah, but him and Scotty Burrell are actually friends till this day. So when you guys are talking, like, snitching stuff, like, oh, he's snitching. This and that. And how do you snitch 20 years later? A video that's 20 years that didn't come out till now. Chief E.D. did it. Huh? Chief E.D. snitched 20 years later. Who? Chief E.D. And then, and, then and then another thing is this. You said, I don't think you guys actually know what snitching is. Number one, snitching is when you <laughs> testify, which one guy on this line right now actually condoned testifying. Against people I'm not going to say who But somebody did <laughs> This guy what, 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 Jordan, what, what Jordan did was what you call Dry snitching Which still ain't cool Which is you know you know When you, when you do something like Hey you want to you find out Who's you know, you know selling these drugs Just go around the corner over there And you'll find them You're not saying necessarily names but you, you know, you tell yeah. them, hey man, you can ca- you can catch them on Fourth Avenue in Union, you know, Bro, shit like that. No, nah, no way. Imagine, but you, you're, you're this year, you're twenty. No, that is later, like, hey, let me Get the grandchildren no, around. Is. Let me show them about the time I used to play with Michael Jordan. And then he puts out something where you go from a family gathering to what what, what happened was, yeah, Jordan. That's my, well, yeah, pretty. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. On that, on that. Well. That was a uh, a a uh, they they the whole team knew that cameras were fi- uh, following them that whole season. You know that, right? They were on the cam. They were on the the plane with them, the team plane. Like they knew what was going on. Now, um, the the situation with the the um, 
you know, the, the cokeheads and all that, he was asked a question. I heard that they were called the traveling cocaine, something, whatever. He answered it. He didn't say names and all that. Yeah, but it was dry snitching, though. He said he walked in the room and all that. Yeah, we know. But the funny thing <laughs> is, and I'm not going to – this is about Jordan, so I'm not going to get into it. We can get into it to another time. There's a lot of – there's a few athletes that – and other people, you know, other, you know, entertainers, whatever, that we all know, you know, dibbled and dabbled in that paperwork, but all guys still support them. But all of a sudden, people want to bring it up on Jordan. But we'll, we'll, we can have that discussion another, another time because I don't want to drag down the show. You know what I'm saying? This ain't my show. This is JP's show. So, uh, but as far as the overall, you know, thing, it's it's it's. I'll say the the, um, Scottie Pippen part was you know, parts of it was pretty good. Um, you know, parts of it was like, okay. I mean, the the this is the this is the part where you know. Because basically this only came out because Jordan had the rights to it, right? So Jordan gets to watch everything before it gets come out, like everything Jordan's controlling. This is the part where he's controlling the narrative, where I get it. Jerry Krause, you know, ended the three-peat or the, the two three-peats and all that. But people aren't giving the man credit. They're not giving dope boy, fat boy credit, you know? He he uh he hired Phil. He uh drafted Scottie Pippen. He drafted Horace Grant. He traded for Dennis Rock. The man made a lot of great moves. You know? Jordan's acting like this like I get it, there's still some animosity, but dude, this man had a lot to do with you winning championships, dude. He made these moves. But it's like they're they're making him first. First yeah. of all, the man's dead. It's like, you know, you know, at least have some little bit level of respect. But they're making it out like this guy was the devil, and he and we won in spite of him. You know, when in reality he made all the moves. Except like he literally made every single move for that dynasty, except drafting Jordan. Now, Jordan, yeah. don't get me wrong. Jordan's the most important move. He is, because you don't have those without Jordan. But I'm like, Jerry Cross made every move. Like, think about that. Uh, when Doug Collins came in uh, and started coaching, number one, they got better. Number two, he had a great relationship with Jordan. He had the type of brain to think out the box and say, you know what? We can do better. I'm going to hire the guy that's your assistant. Because you know what? Your philosophy is making it all about Jordan. His philosophy he wants to make it to where we're going to involve the team. You know? Yeah. He get no credit for that. That's like crazy to me, man. But Jordan is controlling this whole situation where people are going to be like, oh, Jerry Krause. And like I said, I'm not saying he's not, uh, you know, he's blameless, you know? But let's be honest, man. This man did a hell of a job with the Bulls for that dynasty. Yeah, good point, son. Good point. Um, excellent point. Uh, and Jerry Krause, you know, just transitioning. Jerry Krause, uh, odd. I mean, so I, I think that's, you know, where we come to the last dance. Jerry Krause, his viewpoint here is that, and and Jerry 
Krause could have been right here also. He felt that he had gotten all that he, the, the best years out of Pippen, out of Dennis, and out of, you know, some of the main factors. Michael's argument was that we should be able to defend, to defend this thing until it's taken from us. Now, your job as a GM is not to take in to account some kind of warrior spirit and, and, and the rhetoric that surrounds that, like die on your sword and leave it on the field and it, it has to be taken from us. And that is none of your concern as a GM. Your job yeah, is it's to about replenishing the team and trying to keep it going as, as far as you can, right. you know? Yeah, forecasting. And um, by all means – And he actually was right, to be honest. He actually yeah. was right, you know, in a lot of ways because, yeah, Pippen did go to – people forget, Pippen went to Houston the next year, and they lost in the first round to the Lakers, you know? And he didn't play that well for Houston. Then he got traded to Portland. Now he was on a better team in Portland, better fit, whatever, because when he was in Houston, he wasn't getting along with Barkley, you know, because Barkley – that's why when people, like, you brought up the whole Draymond thing, like, in that little situation with Scotty and uh, Mike, Scotty took a shot at – I mean, Scotty and Barkley, Barkley took a pay cut for Scotty to sign with Houston, okay? Scotty comes, they don't play that well, whatever, and Scotty is like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have came here. Mike said, Mike always told me that Charles Barkley, you know, he's never in shape. He's never in shape. And then Barkley took a shot at Scotty and said, yeah, man, I should have never took that pay cut because, you know, um, the whole time I thought he was bringing Michael Jordan with him, <laughs> you know? So, like, uh, basically, he, like, they were, he was clowning um, Scotty, too. He was basically like, oh, you ain't shit, you know? I thought you were bringing Mike, so I was going to win a chip, you know? So there was always issues, you know what I'm saying? Like, or Barkley talking, that was 20 years ago. But uh, he goes to Portland. They almost win the, you know, the West. They almost beat the Lakers, you know, but he wasn't even, but he still wasn't that like dominant player or nothing, you know? Then Rodman goes to a couple teams like the Mavericks and I think the Lakers. He wasn't that good after either. So like Krause was actually right about, the uh, them potentially declining, except Jordan, because they, they said in the thing they wanted to build around Jordan, essentially, and get younger. And one of the trades he was going to do that he almost did was he was going to trade Scotty for Tracy McGrady coming out the draft. Yeah. In hindsight, yep. <clears throat> that would have been nice. You put a young Tracy McGrady with Michael Jordan? Now Michael got his championship window you know, goes on for a little bit longer, you know? But they Mike was looking at it like, hey man, I don't want to mess with this because we're winning we're winning like this, you know? But what Mike's not realizing is you if you don't go off the way you did against Utah, I mean, they didn't have home court. If they lose that game, game six where he hit that shot, now it's game seven in Utah. Like it gets it's it's like it gets it gets dicey at that point, you know, you know. So game seven on the road in Utah, I don't know. We never know how that would have happened, you know. That's where the conversation mostly lies, um, whether or not Jerry Krause had the right. You know, uh, the narrative is painted as 
Jerry Krause is this guy with this little man's complex and could never get over the fact that he wasn't the true architect. Even though, like Simon is saying, you, you have to give him credit because everyone aside from Michael Jordan, he, he brought in there. But none of this could be possible without Michael Jordan. Um, and Krause, in my estimation, the guy just wanted to do what, what you pay your GM to do. It's vilified and, and made out to be a bad guy for trying to uh, replenish this team and uh, keep this thing rolling going forward where you have a player, of course, in a player's perspective. You, you want to leave it on the field. You want it to be taken from you. You want it to, to do it with the guys that you've been doing it with. All those things apply to a player. Um, RC, man, is Jerry Krause t- taking the short end of the stick here? And um, we're not really getting a true perspective or we're not being subjective enough and giving Jerry Krause the right to say this guy was doing his job or what, what is he? What, what it's painted to be, in my perspective, some fat dude who was never cool enough, and when he thought he was going to be cool enough, the cool kids still wouldn't let him sit at the, at the cool kids' <laughs> table. Is, is that what happened to the fat dude who could never land a hot chick and could never sit at the cool kids' table, uh, finally thought he was going to be able to hang out, and they still wouldn't let him? It's an interesting point that Sign brought that up because it's a very good point. Uh, all the moves that were made into creating that championship team that they had going on the run. And you can see the uh, uh, dinosaur mindset of Michael Jordan um, to, to think that they could just continuously move forward with the same squad as if they're playing pickup at the Y. But, um, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey. This this whole Michael Jordan thing and and it, that went on with with Krause and him making fun of him being a little you know all these just like blatant disrespect and all that like yeah Jordan says he don't want to be looked at as a bad guy that's probably not even what it's from where people look at him like a bad guy but did that little guy earn, deserve more credit than has been uh, portrayed and probably even thought about by popular uh, you know general consensus for anybody who's looking at this documentary right now. Are they going to slide him or give him any kind of credit? Most likely going to slide him. So it's a good point that Simon brought that up. Uh, he, he did make a lot of moves and probably deserves more credit than he's getting, if any. Like nobody so, uh, in that situation, nobody's winning a battle with Jordan. You know, you know, there's some certain yeah. people that get to a certain status in life where it's like when you break it down, the nitty gritty, it just it just doesn't. It's like Brady, you know, and that and you have to credit that person for becoming that great to the point where you can't win. You know what I mean? Where it's like when you get to that level and you're a Tom Brady, a Michael Jordan, you know, somebody like that, it's like it's like people are just going to say, well, this and that. And, and, my, and like I said, he's not blameless. Like he, he – where he messed up was, okay, you want to change the roster, right? Cool. We get it. Everybody was in their 30s and all that. Cool, mid thirties, whatever. But why are you trying to get Phil Jackson out of there? That's where you're letting your emotions get involved with business. You didn't like some of the things Phil was doing. Now you want to get him out of here when it's not best for the basketball team. When we know coaching, 
Coaching has nothing to do with age. That's all in your brain, you know? That has nothing to do with, oh, his prime or his post-prime and all that, you know? Nothing. So you, you, got, yeah. you, had, some personal, you mm-hmm. had some personal issues with Phil. You wanted to get him out of there, and that was the beginning of the end. The other part about, you know, getting guys, younger guys in, I don't have no problem with that. And then the, the other stuff, it speaks for itself, you know? He brought, he brought every, everybody that was around Michael – in those in that championship run, Jerry Krause brought them in. That's it. But I, I think you know? I think it was clearly more than than just the nature of business. I think it was for um, personal um, because they in, in the championships and, and in the footage they had um, of the interviews with Reindorf and, and Krause after they win the, they win the titles. Reinsdorf and Kraus are going out of their way. And any time a camera was in front of their face, they go out of their way to put emphasis on it being a a win by the organization and how important management is. You don't see that in today's ballgame. In fact, you know, when the Warriors were winning, winning their titles, the management and Steve Kerr made it all about the players. Like, they went out of their way to get out of the way. And so that's why I do believe there was something personal there with Lionsdorf and Kraus and um, some resentment towards maybe the star that Michael had become. And they were just not in the discussion of, of, of being a, a Steinbrenner, um, a, a, a Jerry Jones, a Al Davis. Maybe they wanted their name mentioned in that echelon, a Looney family or, or whatever. They, they wanted their name. Mention oh yeah, ego. Yeah, ego. Ego always ends up ruining a lot of stuff. But let me let me go go back to one thing I heard you say earlier. You mentioned what Reinsdorf said about Pippen. I'm gonna need Pippen to verify that. I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe Reinsdorf told Pippen don't sign this deal. A deal that's beneficial for me. So I'm telling you to not sign a deal that would be beneficial to my pocket. I don't believe that, you know? But when you go on there on a show and they're interviewing you, you can tell things the way you want to, you know? But what was crazy was Krause wanted to get Phil Jackson out of there after the 97 season. He didn't even want 98 to happen. And it was Reinsdorf that had to go. to the personal part of it. That, that's, that's why I say it was personal. It was Phil. Once he, once his relationship with Phil ended, where he was done with Phil, it ended with Jordan and all that. But like the part where I say, I, I know Jordan. You know Jordan has creative control over this doc. This doc is that they're making it seem like Kraus was worth nothing. Like Kraus made no moves. When see, I don't think that's true. The underlying. What? I don't think that's true. They're showing they're showing all the moves he made. They're showing they he's talking about how he got how he how people didn't didn't know didn't yeah, really want Pippen. But the, but the, yeah, and I know. I know. They're showing it. They're showing it. But they're making it like they're making it seem like well, Krause, you know, organization. Krause is the reason they broke than, up. Right, and that's I think that's the whole point. That but I don't think it's about. See, I think I don't think it's about 
that he doesn't get enough credit for what he did. He's getting blamed for breaking them up because this whole thing is about the last dance. The whole thing they're talking about when they're talking yeah, about Cross, they're yeah, talking no, about. I feel what you're saying. I'm not saying that they're hiding it, but what I mean is like the way it's coming off because I, I like people that I know out here that watched it. They're like, he wasn't nothing. I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, he, he got all these people. He hired Phil like, oh, but he, I'm like, yeah, you're talking about one thing, but the man knew what he was doing. He was, he did a lot of good moves, man. Like he, he literally did every move, but draft Jordan, you know? And the other stuff, yeah, ego and all that, yeah, no, I'm not denying that. You want to get you want to get a coach out of here because of emotions and all this and ego, like that makes no sense, man. But people got to realize, man, Jerry Krause did his thing, man. He built that dynasty, bro. Minus Jordan, for real. Hey, I, I think, I think. That, that's the biggest problem for old Krauss there. Because if you win six titles in a, in a span of eight years, you're going to be known as a great – this is um where where a guy like Bob Kraft comes into play over there and what he's done with New England. Now, they got six titles, if I'm not correct, right? Um, and Bob Kraft is regarded as, you know, a god amongst, you know, probably – the, the guy that all the other owners look to, you know, he's, he's one of the main dudes and, and one of the main dudes in sports and in business um, for, for his notoriety for what he's done as owner of the New England Patriots. And then there's guys like Jerry Jones and the, the Steinbrenners and even the bus family here, here in uh, Los Angeles. And you got uh, Steve Ballmer doing, doing it with the Clippers. I think the problem with Jerry Krause was that Michael Jordan's shadow was too big. And he and Jerry Reinsdorf and the management of the Bulls were not getting their proper due because the narrative was that you have the greatest athlete that has ever lived. So because you picked up Pippen, because you got Horse Grant, and John why the field part, though? Yeah. That's my point about the field part. You know, like, he had an issue with field, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I get that part. It was probably a combination of a lot of things. But what made it crumble originally was his relationship with Phil. And he basically told Phil, like, dude, think about it, JP. I'm your general manager. You just win your fifth championship. You come off the parade, the, the championship and everything, the – Celebration. I'm like, you know what? Hey, by the way, this is your last season. Like, what? <laughs> no appreciation for what I did? You That's know? the part that just has no rhyme or reason. Now, wanting to 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 get rid of uh, put Pippen on the trading block, um, Rodman, whoever else. Yeah, these guys are in their mid freaking thirties. It's about that time. But um, getting rid of Phil, I, I still don't understand the the ideology behind that one. So that's where it also seems personal. And you got a coach that's not letting you in the locker room. This is, this is what the, uh, the arrangement with Jerry Jones, they say, is today. Jerry Jones wants kind of a pet. He doesn't want Bill Parcells, who's going to say, hey, hey, boss, uh, get the fuck out the locker room. Let me handle my team. 
And this is what Phil was doing. And this is what these management, this management wants. And, you know, like, and we all know, famously known, Jerry Jones is one of these type of managers, uh, owners that want to give a speech in the fucking locker room. And some coaches ain't going for that shit. And um, I think that was a bit of a relationship there also. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jerry, Jerry Jones, um, he's the owner that actually coaches the team. He's the only yeah. owner in 32 owners that actually has a press conference after every game. Think let about me bring that. In my man. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, let me bring in my man. Uh, so we talked in um, the last dance. We talked some Draymond and KD. Uh, but right, right now we're talking the last dance, my boy. And um, we're just trying to narrow it down a bit. We, we asked the question, has Jerry Krause been painting in a bad way, or was Jerry was Jerry Krause doing his job by trying to replenish the team that's in their mid mid thirties and and uh, some aging stars and had won all they were going to win and had seen their best days, or was Jerry Krause that fat kid that could never land a hot chick and just when he thought he'd be accepted by the cool kids, Michael Jordan and Pippen and company, they were berating him in front of everyone and just making all kind of fat short jokes which couldn't have been cool. Um, couldn't, have, couldn't have been cool for my man, Jerry uh, Krause. But uh, let me bring in my man. This is for what up, Jonathan? Hey, what's up, guys? How's, how's everybody doing today? Man, Keeping up with them social distancing? Oh, of course, of course. Of course. Not RC. So, He's a troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, RC probably has a social. Yeah, I've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I just, I just, I just right now, I just right now caught the tail, the tail end of uh, the last thing you guys were talking about about the last dance and Jerry Krause and all that. So you have you had a chance to catch any of the episodes? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I saw all four episodes. I think it's a great show. I think it's a great show, but I think it's this uh, age-old conversation, and I think you were, I, you know, I don't know how much you guys have alluded to. I know you just touched on it uh, right now, but it's the thing of the uh, the athletes and the and the executives, right? Who Hold on, Jonathan, Jonathan, who does? Before you give that, uh, before you give that, because I know you're a you're a you're a big-time Kobe fan, and here's here's one uh, thing I threw up here, and I know you didn't catch this part. It's it's almost scary the level of similarity that you know they they have in the two because for, I know that you're about my age you're a little younger than me so we're actually getting to see Michael Jordan for real for a lot of us this age and but now that we have that Michael Jordan reference we're able to see just how much Kobe talked like him um, acted like him and. Did a lot of the, did a lot of things like Michael did, but this unveiling of Michael Jordan has also revealed a softer side that it didn't seem Kobe had. Um, so, what do you think about that dynamic? I think Michael, who we thought initially was some kind of tyrant and had no personality and had no warmth to him, um, when, when we pull back the curtain here, some to be a pretty warm guy, pretty understanding. Uh, took Dennis Rodman for who he was. I don't know if Kobe has that type of range. 
Kobe said, you know, you should do it like I do it, and, you know, everybody has to conform. But um, I don't know, that's just, just my take from it. So what do you think about that? Kobe um, coming out to me as being a bad copy of Mark Jordan. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of reference. I mean, I've I've been hearing these references. I mean, I'm sure you guys have too. You know, all of Kobe's career, as far as calling him, you know, a poor man's Michael Jordan, or you know, like you said, you know, the the Kobe copycat, or I mean, the the Jordan copycat, um, or whatever, you know, lack of a better term or anything like that. But I think it's it's always that thing of, you know, when the son has to supersede the father or the next person, the next uh, uh, CEO is named and he has to do as good or as well. Right. Or, or like, for example, here in LA, we had probably the best example of, you know, Jim bus having to supersede uh, Jerry bus. It's always difficult to establish your mark. And I think with Kobe, we, we always have to keep it in perspective that Kobe came into the league in 96 and he came in as an 18 year old very cocky 18-year-old. And, you know, Jordan, you know, was seasoned. You know, he, he did the whole North Carolina thing. He, he was under uh, Dean Smith, who people still regard as the greatest, uh, uh, you know, not no disrespect to John Wooden, but, you know, I mean, Dean Smith is highly regarded as one of the greatest uh, college coaches of all time. So although Jordan did have, you know, the alpha male persona and, you know, that ultra-competitive drive, but he also came from that background of, you know, you know, I had four years of college. I was humbled. You know, I had to, you know, defer here, defer there, you know, his first couple of years of college. You know, uh, those are the things that, you know, I, and I, I can't remember or find anything that Kobe kind of had that type of humility, you know, where he had to defer. He had to think this. Or, I mean, Kobe came into the mentality, came in right away as, you know, I'm the man. I'm going to figure this out and you got to run with me instead of, you know, you got to run with me or instead of, you know, the way you said, you know, the way uh, Jordan empathized with Rodman. He emphasized, he empathized with, you know, a lot of his teammates. I don't think Kobe got to do that. And, and being, and it's no mistake, you know, we all, we all remember that slam dunk contest in 1997 where I remember Kobe was winning and, you know, he even walked, you know, and Kobe's not bow-legged. Kobe's not bow-legged, but he started walking like that. That's how much he wanted to emulate Michael and emulating Michael, you know, he may have taken it way too far. Oh, I mean, you guys remember that, right? I mean, remember, I mean, cause Jordan was naturally yeah. bow-legged. Kobe, yes. Kobe was bow-legged. bow-legged. I used to do that shit. Huh? I used to do it. Well, yeah, because you're, 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 I mean, he, yeah, you know, and, and I'm sure Kobe was, you know, and I'm sure, <laughs> you know, because, Kobe knows, Kobe, you know, people in the NBA know a lot more. Like, for example, like, I'm sure everybody in the NBA knew all these stories, you know, from the Bulls, you know, how Jordan was. I'm pretty sure everybody knew these things. Everybody that played in the NBA or has been in the NBA, I'm pretty sure they knew all these things. It's new information for us because we're not part of that locker room. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not used to seeing those type of things. So for us, it's like, oh, man, so Jordan really was like this. Oh, man, Jordan really was like that. We had bits and pieces of what Jordan was, but maybe not to the extent that we're getting to see right here in the, in, in the last dance. But Kobe may have known a little bit more or may have known a little bit more, and maybe he just took it to the other extreme, you know, of, 
you know, trying to emulate something that in reality, I mean, not everybody was able to, not everybody's able to get even close to that. At least that's how I think the, the Kobe and Jordan comparisons are. Oh, great, great, man. Really I think, open. I think their personalities were different because, um, Remember how Kobe spent a lot of time in Italy? I think that, you know, overseas, I think that made him kind of more of an introvert, you know? While Jordan was born and raised and lived in the United States the whole time. So when, like, he was coming back and forth, it was like Kobe kind of was to himself, you know? Where Jordan was, like, you know, there was times where, you know, he was hard on his teammates and this and that. But, like, also – you know, he was still when they weren't playing. He was, he was, uh, you know, he, he would kick it. He would go to the casino and all that. You know, it's like uh, back in '93, um, I believe, when they were down two zero to the Knicks. No, yeah, they were down two zero, and he went to the casino in Atlantic City, and it became a big story. Like, why would you go to the casino when you're down? And then Jordan dropped like fifty the next game, like. Just to prove a point, like, like don't bring up my life, you know, my, my life outside of basketball, like, as a reason why we lost or I didn't play well, this and that. But it's like there was stuff being brought up. And then there's also, you know, I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying there's people that believe that his dad was murdered over some gambling debt, you know, and all that. So there was stuff out there, you know, about – Jordan and his nightlife and gambling and all that, you know, but, uh, but with Kobe, there, like there was none of that. Like Kobe was, Kobe was about ball, and that was it, you know, and yeah. and I think and I and that's where uh, his his clash with Shaq was because Shaq off the court had a personality like Jordan. Shaq was cool with everybody, you know. It's like it's like he left. Orlando, you know, 20-plus years ago, but he's still, like, close friends with D. Scott, you know? Like, he yeah. kept friends with all of them. It's like, you know, and, and I think with Kobe, he looked at it like – and I think with Kobe growing up, I think Kobe thought that – I think Kobe thought the personality that he had as far as off the court and all that was probably more similar to Jordan than Shaq's. But then he probably realized over time that, like, Nah, Jordan, like, Jordan was locked in once game time came. But Jordan was, like, one of the guys, man, once game. Usually, like, you know, you guys bring up the whole snitching thing, but, you know, or dry snitch or whatever you guys were talking about, that stuff on the plane. But he's sitting there playing cards and stuff with uh, Scotty Burrell, you know? Nope, he's not sitting there like, oh, I'm the best player in the game, you know, on the team. You know, we can't be cool on the team playing. Like, Scott, I mean, uh, Mike was cool with everybody, you know? Like, that's what he did. And there, there's stories about him how he never got sleep the night before and then still went and played and dropped 30. It's like, you know, Jordan was cool, cool like that, you know? You know, but everybody's different. I'm yeah. not saying one's right, one's wrong, but would you have been boys, you know, would, would you have been boys with Jordan? What? He what seemed like a pretty On the guy, team? Mike seemed like a I don't know, man. I think, guy. I don't know. I don't know. Jordan's type of cat, man, you know? I don't well, like cats I mean, that got nicer suits than me, man. If you got a nicer suit than me, we might have to have a problem, man. You know? Jordan was looking too <laughs> Jordan was looking too smooth, man. He was a smooth criminal, man, in the videos. I mean, oh, God. 
But Mike I, was but you know what? amazing. Dude. He was looking amazing, like a fucking model or something the whole time. Like this guy, like a fucking African model or some shit. You know what I mean? So, but I, I don't know if this is a rebranding. Maybe Mike's having a rebranding right now because he's definitely coming off more human, more more likable, softer. And this just seems to be a side of old MJ. I know I never knew Um, You're also going to see another human aspect of old MJ. Um, I forgot John Paxton fucking went five for five and pulled us up in, in the 12 hour game. You know, Jordan was definitely preferring in a lot of clutch moments. And a lot of the things that LeBron gets criticized for. You know, Jordan was definitely doing it in clutch moments. All, all those uh, passing shots, the fucking Steve Kerr famous shot, a lot of these shots is George Jordan performing um, in the moment and they, the, the emphasis they, they put on the teammate. And so it's, it's definitely a putting. Oh, yeah, man. And history can be. History can be clouded, but, but also, man. You know, if you know, if you know your stuff, you'll know that, like, you know, Jordan, like, it's like you know, when Paxton hit the shot against Phoenix, it's not like Jordan got triple teamed and he threw it to Paxton. He actually threw it to Grant and then Grant threw it to Paxton, you know? So it's like they were playing team ball, you know what I mean? They were trying to, you know, like, put, you know, essentially make the the best play, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it it goes both ways, man. You know, people are going to say that, make their their way, make an argument. You know, the thing about, like, me is if I've, already, I've already said, like, I don't believe in, like, you know, I play around and say goat this, goat that, but I believe there's, like, three best, three players in NBA history that are above everybody else. There's tiers, you know? There's tier one, two, t- tier two, whatever. And I've already stated who I feel they are. But I think the issue comes when people start talking about the GOAT. They don't know how to argue. Like, me? If I argue for LeBron or Mike, there'll be no question. I'll make it look easy. Like, the people that argue for LeBron, they're using the wrong arguments. If I argue for LeBron, I'll make it, I'll make it sound like he's the greatest player ever, no question. The, pr- the problem is fans don't know how to argue. You got to know what you're arguing, man. If I argue for LeBron, I'll make it sound so clear that LeBron's the greatest ever. But unfortunately, people don't know what they're doing. If you want if you want some notes, hit, hit me up, man. I'll make it sound easy. Yeah, man. Uh, one thing I want to note before we start to wrap this thing up, dude, the physicality in the 80s and early 90s. Can we get that shit back? <coughs> I want... I don't mind a little of that. Like, nah, man, it ain't happening, bro. That was a different brand of ball right there. I think that would be far more entertaining. Well, I think the, the, the cream will really, really rise to the top if the game could be like, I, I don't think James Harden would be nearly as effective as he is today. And, and I think other guys will, will become, you know, stars in that brand of basketball. Defenders will be more of a necessity. You know, the cream of the crop and defenders will really show. Uh, centers will really have to, you know, you know, be be formidable down there in the middle. 
What do you guys think about JP, that? If the playoffs was 82 games, James Harden would already not be as good as he is right now. Just make the playoffs for 82 games. <laughs> He'd be, you know, the drop off, yeah. the drop off would be clear, you know. But I mean, the physicality, man. Playing the basketball, man. I think it should be somewhere in the middle, man. I think some of it was a little unnecessary, but I also think now guys are getting free lanes to the hoops, man, to the hoop, and you can't even touch them. I don't like that, but uh, somewhere in the middle, if they could find a, a you know, middle ground. But also, you know, uh, it's like this. I don't like the 130, 140-point games, but I also don't like the 80-point games. Hell no. Can we find, can we find the in between? You know. Yeah. 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 It was definitely a different brand. Um, I, I I don't mind it, man. Hey, all this you just go into the hole recklessly and you get to do whatever you want. Uh, no. So you know, one of these big dogs gonna lay you down a couple of times and and give you a choice to make. You know, some something, some restraint, some pushback. But uh, as of now, it's like a layup line a lot of the time. Um, but I think, they don't um, even have big guys now. You know, it's like, yeah. come on, stop it. But uh, last thoughts to RC, man. He, RC has been fucking blasphemous here. You know, RC is one of these dudes that take take taboo road, I call it. He hops on the taboo express lane and he does 100. And he starts to talk about the guys Michael Jordan faced, the, 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 the Jeff Hornaseks of the world, the Byron Russells of the world out of Long Beach State. He talks about the competition old Mike faced. And, hey, look, man, we can, we, we can do that. But I think right now it's, it's kind of, you know, raining on someone's parade. Right now it's the Michael Jordan parade. NRC decides to bring up these type of – details about old Mike's career. Um, I don't know. He's been very blasphemous. Uh, he hasn't seemed to be in the same appreciation mode as the rest of us of, of Michael Jordan, the man who's revolutionized the shoe game. <clears throat> His monopoly on shoes is somewhat fucking strange to think about. It don't even make sense. Yeah, it don't even make, like, it's worse than an Apple product. You know, as, well, at least in the definitely the the, the, the hip hop community, if that's a thing. Because like, you'll get people in this era that will say LeBron or whoever else is better than Jordan, but then they'll wear Jordans. Like, how do you yeah. explain that? <laughs> like, LeBron did want to wear Jordans. Not me. I mean, yeah. Well, well, I don't know. They all, they all say that, brother. Well, RC man. Um, any any closing thoughts, man? Try not to be blasphemous, brother. Yeah, no, nah, man. Uh, only LeBron's on mine, man. So um, uh, Jordan has, you know, he, he, people could say he's having his time right now. He's been had his time. There's never been anybody rain on the parade of Michael Jordan. Now everybody's just double fisting now instead of doing old reach around. So, hey, man. <laughs> Kudos to Michael Jordan and his fans that he's bringing back to light with a documentary who needed some sort of um, solidification that this man had a career. Like, if you can see some of these clips, it's everything you heard of. Um, you know, 
I'll just leave it at that. And um, I am I'm enjoying it, even though I fell asleep through the second one. Had to rewatch that, and um, you know it's getting more interesting. Talking about Rodman and the Pistons and all that good stuff. Everybody gonna check it out. All that whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, man. So uh, good stuff to Michael Jordan, and uh, we'll see. However long, what what is there like twenty five episodes or something of this? So um, you know, oh, we're not near the end. Uh, that's for me, <laughs> JP on that mute again. Hey, y'all, I want to ask y'all a question real quick. So, okay, we know how the best players in the league act now. They're very diva-ish. But all the way, you know, the way they act and all that, like, as far as the way they demand certain things and all that, uh, you know, Mike could have done all that if he wanted to, or maybe he wasn't even thinking about that. But does it, like, how do you guys feel? Like, do you guys like the way Mike kind of did, where Mike kind of just kind of went with the flow and still – because Mike could have easily said, I want out and went to a team he want, you know, another team. Uh, you know, because he, he obviously was unhappy with Jerry Krause for a while. Which, which, which side, like, what type of style do you like? Do you like what Jordan was doing, or do you like the guys now? Well, let's go for it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think JP said you. You about to boot us out, but yeah, yep. man, no, I we're like, gonna get the, like we're gonna get out, man. We out of here, bro. Yeah, we 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 out, man. We'll catch it on the next time, Sam. But I like what Jordan was doing. I mean, we we I'm I'm pretty sure everybody nobody likes divas, but Jordan was getting thirty six million dollars at the end of his career. So no, I'm not even talking and about the money. Mad. I'm just saying like he wasn't going team to team, saying like sitting out, and you know what I mean. He was like just playing, well, like. It, when in reality, he could have really threw he retired, his leverage. He retired two times, though. No, retirement is different. I'm talking about, like, he didn't do, like, sitting out, you know, a season while he's – you know, he didn't pull a Kawhi. What Kawhi did with San Antonio, he didn't do what some of these other – he didn't do what Anthony Davis did with the Lakers, you know? Like, what I'm just saying, like, what style do you like? Do you like he, was getting this, 30, this? he was getting $36 million. No, I had nothing. No, they're getting thirty million too. What are you talking about? Right, exactly. That's why they're doing it to get more money. No, no, they're doing it and they're still wanting to get. So if Kawhi no, they're doing it. Would that have been the difference? No, I'm saying is like. Yeah, I'm talking about pushing your way out, things like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, we would. I would rather somebody stay on the same team the whole time, but you know, just I'm not. I'm not saying any. And he only one made like listen, other. Krill. He only made thirty million in his last two seasons. The rest of his career, thirty-six million. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. He, the whole go look at his salaries. That man was getting seriously underplayed. You know. Yeah. But I'm just saying. I'm just because I was watching, even though like he was unhappy, he wasn't like. Like, he kind of just, like, Jordan was actually kind of, like, normal as far as, like, a star. Like, he wasn't like, oh, if you don't give me this, I'm out. 
you know, he wasn't super diva, which was supply. I'm like, you're Jordan, you know? Now, these days, guys that ain't even half of Jordan, they want this, they want that. If they don't get this, they out, you know? But, hey, I guess he got shut down, man. We out. All right, man. Peace out, y'all.